Welcome back to the basement, everyone. You are now tuned into yet another fine episode of Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I am, as usual, your host, Kevin. Um, hope you all survived Snowzilla. Dumped a little snow on us here in D.C., shut things down, made it slower. Uh, gave me a chance to catch up on some stuff. Uh, right now, I know D.C. is shut down. I'm taping this on a Monday, and uh, so maybe you have a chance to catch up on some stuff, like maybe the last podcast episode or maybe this one. Uh, you know, maybe you want to sit down and enjoy it with a, a coffee or a tea and it's cold out, maybe a whiskey drink. However you roll, it's okay. Um, this is We have a really good podcast for you this week, a uh, sort of important podcast. Er, er, last week, Amber Kaufman of Dirty Projectors went on a, a bit of a Twitter storm late at night and it resulted in her naming one Heathcliff Baru uh, in uh, acts of sexual assault now Heathcliff Baru is he's long been in the industry in the PR industry um, currently or was up until last week the CEO and uh, president of Life and Death PR represents people like Speedy Ortiz Killer Mike uh, and uh, D'Angelo amongst others uh, at any rate what what this prompted is a lot of people coming forward and saying you know uh, you know he did this to me too and other people did this to me um it was basically uh what i think the internet is for bringing things to light uh, so it was fantastic in that sense but it also like reveals uh, just a, a serious serious problem not just in the music industry but in in our society as a whole um that I think we need to talk about more and hopefully people will after this and won't just forget it and, and attribute it to this one guy. Um, so we're, we're going to be talking about that. Um, and, uh, we are going to be looking for answers. I, I don't know that we have any, uh, maybe you do. Uh, the only thing I can tell you, uh, right now, just sum up our conversation is going to be, you know, something, something like this happens, speak up, you know, whether you are a man or a woman or the victim or a witness or, anything speak up you do that and then we could move forward but as long as we're silent on stuff like this uh it will continue to happen and it might get worse uh so uh we're going to be talking about that i encourage you if you listen to nothing else in this podcast to, to listen to that and educate yourself to the what happened the events surrounding this and the issues links in the show notes and all that uh after that we're going to be talking about the besnard lakes new album a coliseum complex museum one of my favorite bands we'll see if paul and eduardo agree with that uh and then uh right around uh glenn fry died last week of the eagles we're talking about that on the next podcast uh but uh, one of our favorite artists in this area con uh released a track just named the eagles uh, you can probably guess what it involves as far as production and sampling and whatnot. But at, at any rate, this stellar sort of blew our minds. So we're going to listen to that at the end of the podcast. Uh, so without further ado, I uh, hope you're comfortable. hope you have your beverages. And, uh, you know, not too sore from digging yourself out if you're here in D.C. Here you go. Episode number 151 of Chunky Glasses, the podcast. We're reviewing a new album from the Besnard Lakes, a Coliseum Complex Museum. Okay. It comes here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Merely a two-word review, just a shit sandwich. I will roll the record up and down. That right there is a wonderful sandwich. Oh, you made it back finally. I did. Fucking wow. <laughs> we were sweating it. I, I you know, I was lost in the wilderness of work for a bit there. Yeah, yeah. And we were like, shit, how does this go on? Like I, I joked at the end of the uh of the year twenty fifteen, like maybe we won't come back and then you didn't come back. Like I got precisely zero emails questioning that. <laughs> but I, w- I wish I had. It's uh, good that my fan club is so strong. Yes, it is. It is. Eduardo, welcome back. Thank you, thank you. Uh have been getting fan mail for you to quell your fears of like, have you been on too much? Okay. No, not really. Yeah, but, no, I'm, uh, but, uh, you have not. Um, this week we got a, a pretty good podcast for you. We're going to be talking about the Besner Lakes new album, Col- Coliseum Complex Museum. Uh, we're going to tell you a lot more about that. 
uh, in a little bit. Uh, also, we're going to be playing a tr- new track from Khan. Uh, so that's happening. I'm excited. I haven't, haven't heard that yet. Yeah. I'm psyched. Yeah. Uh, first, though, uh, was it Tuesday? I think the the interwebs, the Twitters blew up. Um, Amber Kaufman of Dirty Projectors uh, started tweeting out some stuff uh, late at night, latest at night, uh, about a sexual assault that happened. And uh, rather than being vague about who did this to her, she named it. The name was uh, Heathcliff Baru. He has been in this industry for... As long as we've been doing the site, uh, he now is the co-owner and or was, we'll get to that, uh, of Life and Death PR. Um, This immediately uh, caused, to my mind, a a fantastic reaction of people like coming forward to speaking up. Judy Silverman at um, Motormouth, who we've worked with a lot, uh, was one of the people that really was like, pushing this and saying, look, you know, I knew about this. This wasn't my place to tell. Mm. And a lot of what she was saying is like, now she sort of felt bad because why didn't I say this? But what happened is all these women came forward and uh, Life and FPR is no more. Uh, Heathcliff Baru is out of a job and hopefully a career. And we start to move forward, I guess, on like how we treat people in the scene and, and whatnot. Um, We've we've talked about this before. We talked about the uh, the Runaways case, uh, the the rock and roll scene. What is uh, unacceptable, I think, in all of this, uh, is that somebody could do this. Uh, so, to to you guys' mind, uh, I guess how this played out, this should happen more often, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> where you're looking for yeah, yeah, looking yeah, for yeah. confirmation. Sure, I mean. If you're uh, being put into a, into an uncomfortable situation, then you should speak out. I think that's it's more difficult than that because the reasons that people weren't speaking out are right. all too common, which is that you've got a man in a position of power. I think that when you're talking about uh, musicians in particular, if you've just signed to a label and this is the person working your PR, or you've got your first big album coming yeah. out and this is the person working your PR, which in a lot of ways – Determines what venues you're going to book, determines who's going to write the reviews of your albums, mm-hmm. de- determines how much money you're going to make and whether you're going to be able to continue being a band. If you've got overtures being made, and especially from some of the stories that came out, some were more aggressive than others, they were all inappropriate. But some of those things that fall right on that line where you know it's inappropriate, but you worry that complaining about it is just going to make you seem weak or that you're overreacting because right. it's uh because that's what's been drilled into people's heads or that the trade-off isn't there that hopefully this will show people that you know that that is hopefully not a trade-off that needs to be made yeah, that there's a venue for it cuz this isn't mm-hmm. just one guy it's not one guy it's it's this is, and, and this is uh you know killer mike is on life and death or was on life and death originally his first statement uh, was uh, well. Actually, let me go back back up through the statements. Uh, first off, Life and Death said we're parting ways with Heathcliff Brew. Then Heathcliff Brew published a bullshit statement. I think it was in the LA Times saying, "Oh, drugs and alcohol. Drugs and alcohol do not make you into a sexual predator. They do not. Um, you are that, and he is that." Though, so, hold on. I I I do want to say, and I don't want to put myself in the position of a defender right here, but right. It's, if you do have a drug and alcohol problem. It, one of the effects is to lower inhibitions, and I agree. If you're in the in the throes of a true addiction, and not and not an addiction where it's just like, oh, I'm I'm conveniently addicted these days. But from at least what he said, I haven't seen mm-hmm. what I haven't seen anybody fact check the statement that he's actually lost his lost his wife to these issues, mm-hmm. and has been had people trying to run interventions on him for a while. It sounds like he's got a serious problem. Nothing he does is excused or defended based on that. But I don't want to minimize the effects that one serious problem has because of equally serious results that could be partially attributed to that problem. For sure. Um, The, uh, to that point though, um, these are, these are things that happen. And do we have to say allegedly, 
<laughs> if he's, uh, I mean, you know, yeah. whatever. Not, I, I think he uh, he yeah. effectively admitted to them. He didn't yeah. say he said alleged, but he didn't. He didn't say anything specific. It was potentially within yeah, the statute of limitations. Right. He doesn't want to get sued, what, and yeah. he doesn't want to get and he doesn't want to get sent to prison. They should get sent Understa- to prison. understandably. <laughs> so yes, officially for the position of this podcast, we are talking about yeah. allegations. Yeah, thank you, counsel. But we are talking about <laughs> allegations. This does not constitute legal advice. I'm not able to give legal advice to this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <But> <laughs> you and Patrick, it's my it's my goal to get that disclaimed on every episode. So. <laughs> um. So what what did Killer Mike say? Because I'm, so, I'm so curious Killer about Mike, his initial statement was that he supports uh, his friend Heathcliff and and also his his agent who he worked directly with uh, there, and um, but also supports the women who come forward and stuff. Uh, Daniel Gill, who's who runs Forcefield PR, who's a P- PR veteran, immediately called him out and says, "You know, you're in politics right now, like you you." Don't yeah, play right. this game, right? Uh, if you want to, if you want to do this, and you want people to respect you, and then he sort of rescinded uh, that, and and then basically uh-huh. said, "We're not working with life or death anywhere." It then collapsed. Like Speedy Ortiz was on there, D'Angelo mm-hmm. uh, Waves, all of them left. Uh, the question that, that has been going around, and can, can, can we stay on Killer Mike for just a second? Yeah, yeah. Because I actually liked the statement that he ultimately made, which was. That he is supporting, you know, the recovery to the extent that that it's believed that recovery is needed of Heathcliff. But his bigger his bigger point, I think, was that he's staying with the guy who repped him so at life or death. And, and I think that's important because you don't mm-hmm. want to burn innocent people to the ground right. because of the problems that the serious problems that one person had, even if it's the, if it's the founder of the company. I think Killer Mike standing by his actual rep and the person that he had the rep, the the relationship with even mm-hmm. as the PR company went down is a move that I respect a lot because nobody should be drugged down with this shit except mm. except when it comes to responsibility for this I read a quote from uh, Judy now um she said uh, everyone is all I knew he's a creep uh but you know you still hired him you still supported him and some of you worked for him like what responsibility I mean because what we're talking about is is a, a systemic like problem in the scene just uh, take it outside music people in general you know we can't get around that dudes are pretty much gross and then like but this is this is the limit and and where it crosses the line and gross into a crime in doing this type of stuff so like i understand like the respect you might give like killer mike for making that statement but his pr agent certainly knew of how Baru was. Hold on. D- did he though? Of and course. I, I am. I'm not going to attribute that to him. Like okay. people, people act in a certain way around some people and a different way around other people. Like this is a, this is an office situation. Mm-hmm. Like there's no evidence that the individual that killer Mike is working with. And I don't know his name off the top of my head, his or her name. I think it was a guy. Yeah. Uh, it's Duncan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know what their relationship was. I don't know what he was present for right there. And I think that everybody is entitled to be given the benefit of the doubt until they have evidence until they have evidence against them. And I don't the thing is this is it's PR is a career that is entirely based on reputation and relationships. Yeah. And so if you have somebody cutting off the cutting you off publicly like that, your career is over. Yes. And I don't think that somebody who hasn't been directly tied to the crime by anything more than an association with an organization that hired him should be tarred with that same brush. But, but people are saying that, that this was not it is not like a thing that people didn't know about. The people this was an open thing that people didn't do anything about. Which is why it exploded, and why I mean, Silverman is is basically scared for a job. I think at this point because she thinks nobody will hire her because she's speaking out in a system that bas- that said this is okay. Just don't talk about it. I I mean I see I see Hold your on, point. But, but I think that I think the people that facilitated that should be brought to the fore. But well, I it's think everybody. That, I think, but I think that anybody who has worked in an organization before mm-hmm. has had to, has had to deal with this, and you have to all you have to think like. If your boss went down for something like this, would it be fair for you to have your career ruined? It, We're not all, none of us are in a PR in, our, in a PR relationship right here where right. it's so, where it's that based on reputation and personal relationships. Mm. But I firmly believe that 
you should that the allegations and the repercussions should be tied to the people who actually are the bad actors and not people who are just within the organization. Not someone who just got a job, maybe right out of college, working in PR for somebody and had no idea what was going on. Why should that person never be able to get a job in their in their chosen field before? Mm -hmm. Because their boss screwed up badly, because their boss committed horrible bad acts. It because, doesn't matter. Because they knew and didn't speak out, but... But you yeah, have to so, have evidence. So you do, yeah. Well, I agree. well so, so I've come across something like this professionally more than once. Um, not always, you know, once or twice with people who were in my office. Other times, because I'm at an association, it was um, like volunteers who end up being part of our, you know, board or senior leadership team or whatever. Um, in every single case, it was generally widely known that so and so is a bad actor, right? And even, you know, I don't know. There's one incident in particular that I'm that I still kind of go back to, and I wonder if I should have been uh, kind of more proactive about something. But um, but it wasn't someone. It wasn't my boss. It was someone who had ties to my organization, and and even the person who was in a position where an untoward offer was made knew of this person's reputation, and and basically knew what she would have been getting herself into had she allowed herself to be like alone in a room with this guy. So I don't think. I, like I just have a hard time believing that that people who are who are closer around this person that they don't have a reputation and that it's that it's completely out of the blue. You know, I think there are some really heinous things like if your coworker is like keeps bodies in their basement and <laughs> nibbles on them, like maybe maybe they come across as normal and, and that's not something you're that in the basement right now. They have I know I, I was looking around nervously as I said that. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know, like the like the Jerry Sandusky thing in Penn State. Like, yeah. there's there's probably there's probably more people who should be in trouble over that. Um, but but it's hard to, I think, to your point, Paul. It, it is difficult to know like where to draw that line, right? right? Yeah. And and I think that that's, I think that that's one of the, the, the. This situation highlights both some of the major positives and major negatives of social media. Like mm -hmm. prior to social media women or anybody who had been experiencing this kind of harassment would not have had a venue to make their issues known and have them go wide right. otherwise. I mean, it, it, yeah. from 12,000 Twitter followers to the world to a real effect in yeah. less than 48 hours, that's amazing. That's an amazing development yeah. of social media. The other direction, though, is that I think social media outrage sometimes – spreads beyond the legitimate targets sure. and pulls other people into their wake. And I think that that is something that we all have to be aware of and try to try to keep the exponential side effects sure. of things going, sure. like create change in the individual situations, create systemic change that prevents the issues from going forward. Yeah. Do not bring in potentially innocent parties into the you know into the into the crosshairs, and that I think that's the problem. I don't th I don't think that's happened by and large, no. um, and I think that that the response. I think we're all saying the response was absolutely appropriate and really good. And I think it's it's you know you can you can believe that whatever uh, culture or tribe you inhabit is somehow immune to like the greater social yeah. ills that we all deal with, and it's and time and time again it's not true. Like we were just talking about race and sports upstairs, like you know. Sports are uh, its own competency, but like social problems don't don't recognize the shock and like not enter into the dynamics of what happens right. in a sports game. Um, you know, the indie culture, music culture, like just because people can say, oh, well, he was probably on a lot of blow that night. You know, he can't be held responsible for his actions doesn't mean that there aren't larger social ills at work. And yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. So, I mean, so what. Can like anybody suggest to like how do we like keep this going? To so like ironically, uh, Speedy Ortiz, um, Sadie Dupuis is on there. She's a big fan of the safe spaces mm -hmm. movement, which right. is an interesting thing because it it denies in a lot of cases the actual social interactions uh, you know that should be in place. I mean, it's sad that it has to be said because you know theoretically you have a bouncer. At a show, and if somebody's acting like an asshole, they will be removed. Well, hold on. Let's, if we're going to go into this, let's uh, delineate what you mean by safe spaces movements, because that 
that term has been used by a lot of different parties to mean a lot of different yeah, things. Yeah, well, recently, I, well, and that's so. actually my point is that in her case, it's it's it shows uh, it is a safe space you can go be however you want and not be harassed and stuff. And I mean that is again that can be problematic because it ignores just like an open event. Uh, it's great. It's hard. It's hard to be, say that like that it can be problematic, but it can be. But in this instance, you know, it's not a safe space. It's just like you should expect not to be molested, mm-hmm. assaulted, the, raped. The subway in Rio now has women only cars because essentially the the harassment and groping of I mean it was basically that was the the government's way of saying we can't stop women right. from being groped on public transit and right. men clearly aren't gonna fucking step well, and, up and, and do it right. And, and so. let me just say that I think that in the context of the of the club scene and what uh, and, and what we're talking about here in terms of safe spaces, mm-hmm. that right there is just common sense. That's just human rights right I, there. I agree. That's not agree. that that shouldn't need a special uh, special name. I, I That's agree. like when you put zero tolerance gun zone outside of a school yeah, like no, no. sorry. I, I, but, <laughs> but at the same time it's a good thing. It's yeah, it's, it's a bullshit good, yeah. that we have to do that. It's a good thing to but, bring attention to it, but it's different than like the safe space speech movements on college campuses. Yeah, yeah, and oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very, it's very different than that. So, but, and that's that's where you know I'm going to fall back on on the responsibility of these people who knew, uh, and you know how do we treat that? Like, obviously, you should have a chance at redemption. That's what our society is built on, and uh, you know. But if if this whole network of people is just keeping secrets like this and not speaking up when this happens, right. then then what the fuck are we doing? Like, so let, look, I, I was talking with Justin about this, and it, uh, part of the problem is celebrity culture. And what you were saying, like, if you're going to make it, and this will impact you, and this will impact you, none of that will ever impact you. You won't make it. I mean, that people have to understand that, that, like, your chances of making it to what you think is going to happen, that would cause you, uh, or not cause you, just... to. To tolerate a situation like you, it, there's nothing like in that trade. I don't know. I that I, I don't know. I think that's uh, not I, necessarily true, and I think that that's that is one of the more uh, scary parts of this. Yeah, is maybe that those, is that those trade offs actually do happen. It's not so much like let me touch your butt and then you're going to be a star. It's more like if you make a stink about this happening, mm-hmm. then you're definitely not going to be a star. Right. It's right. It's not a guarantee of success. It's a guarantee of failure. If you take a certain action. So, right. so, so I guess my point I was trying to make about that is like, how do you make people understand that that's not most of the time true? Because like, you know, people talk about these things and, and again, we're getting into the culture as a larger thing. And, it's something that I, with this story, I'm struggling with people speaking up about it. I, I understand it, but you know, just like say something. Like that's that's what I can't understand. I, I, I think that I think the answer as unsatisfying. And, and for the record, for the record, it makes me mad and it makes me sad and furious. I mean, it's yep. just because I I literally can't if if somebody came and like grabbed my junk at a bar. <laughs> Like I would be like, that's a problem, and we're going, and so I can't relate to that. You'd say, you'd say, Patrick, excuse me, sir. That's, <laughs> <laughs> no. no. So, so about Mussolini, people still say that he made the trains run on time, right? So, how, however many seventy years later, people are still making excuses for a genocidal prick because he was somewhat efficient. And right. I think, and like, if we're, and like, and 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 this happens enough that I, I just feel like. Uh, um, this idea that if you think that you're going to get results from this person, then you're willing to overlook a lot of really egregious behavior because so, you feel like you have no other recourse. So for any kids listening, and God, I hope there are no kids listening, <laughs> the, uh, the lesson is work on your efficiency skills and you can get away with anything. That's right. Yes. That's right. You can, you can be yes. fucking Pol Pot if you want. Jesus. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, that out. <laughs> yeah, so we're we're gonna have lots of links in there, uh, and I, I think the uh, the the main point of this is if if something like this happens to you, speak up. Uh, even if you can't speak up, and this is something that uh, Silverman was saying all day on Twitter, like even if you can't speak up 
find somebody that you can talk to and let them speak up, uh, you know, and fuck it. Like, you know, find us, you know, if you're in DC, like, because Mm -hmm. the shit does, we'll put someone on blast. It cannot happen. Well, and, and, and men, you know, if you don't know what this is like, if you don't understand it, talk to the women in your life. I guarantee you, um, you know, someone who has dealt with something like this at some point in their lives. So ask questions, try to understand it. My my guess is that pretty much every woman, you know, has dealt with something, if not as bad, at least, Mm -hmm comparable yep so stop it dudes <laughs> seriously um all right so from that we can actually talk about some music uh you guys ready to talk about some best in our lakes space jam <laughs> <laughs> That track right there is uh, Golden Lion by one uh, Besnard Lakes out of Montreal. Uh, their new album, Coliseum Complex Museum. Um, this is a band, they're now 15 years old. I think this is their fifth album. I think that's right. Uh, husband and wife core of uh, Jace Lasik, of vocals of guitar, and Olga Gorius. Back to the pronunciation. We need uh, a vocal and bass. Uh, they, you know, they've actually expanded the lineup for this album. Uh, now they've got uh, drummer Kevin Lang on there, uh, but they also got Sheena Coe on keys and vocals and Robbie MacArthur on guitar. Uh, Richard White used to play with them, and uh, he is not touring anymore uh, with them, but he is on this record and playing in the studio. Uh, if you've listened to this podcast, you have heard us talk about this band three times now. This is this is the third time. The previous two albums ended up very, very high in my top ten list. Uh, as you heard from that song, we're talking about a little shoegazy, uh, psychedelic adventures. Uh, Paul, you're actually pretty familiar with them. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Eduardo, were you familiar with them before this? or um, Not not as familiar. So I, I'd kind of given them a cursory listen um, before really digging into this album. But So, so let's, let's start with you. Okay. What, what, are, you, what are you thinking here? Um, I... Uh, uh, I really like, um, I, I like a lot about this album. I like, I like the, the expansive feel. I like the, um, that kind of those big guitars. Um, I like the feeling that it sounds like, um, the band really enjoys what they're playing. Like there's a, you know, you can tell like that they would love to play these songs like on the top of a mountain or something like that. <laughs> like it just has that kind of that, that, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, um, there's, you know, I think I think the album as a whole, where I'm, where where it's not, uh, where it maybe falls a little bit short of clicking for me, is that there's kind of a, a sameness to it, um, mm-hmm. where um, I just kind of put it on and it runs, and I don't really, and actually, if I just had it on repeat, I probably would just keep listening to it and I would enjoy it. But um, there aren't a lot of moments that that song, Golden Lion, is one that jumps out at me. Um, a lot of the other ones, it's sort of like. Um, a built to spill album or something like that, where sometimes the songs can kind of run together, which, which is not a bad thing. And it certainly, uh, means that they did a good job of creating a cohesive album. But, um, but I have a harder time picking out specific moments or, uh, things that I, I I would argue that, uh, and Paul, you may or may not agree that that's sort of their whole career. Like this is, this is. is a very, very, uh, and, and, and very similar to what I was saying about Jason Isbell, as far as like him writing stuff, and I just accept it as a big canon, but this is this is a little more um, universal and space based. That, that was going to be my question for you guys. Partly is that is is am I am I missing like something about the evolution of this band, or is this pretty much well 
So, so that's that's the thing. I don't think there is an evolution. Yeah, of this okay. band. there's a lot of talking in this about how they made this album. The Besner Lake is actually a thing, right? Right. It's a place. Go, it's like a place it's a, that yeah. they go to, and they they do demos. Um, and uh, one of the but things, this, is, but this was the first album that they did demos up at the lake. For, yes. Though. Yes. So. Um, and one of the things in, in the PR thing, which I, I would have never thought, uh, Jason's a huge Prince fan and huh. basically he's a fan of, of, of the DIY-ness of it. He's like, uh, the quote is, uh, you can look back on the early records and it's produced, arranged, recorded and performed by Prince. Uh, when I realized that as a 12 year old, I was like, Oh fuck. So this kid can make a record all by himself. So then why can't I, that has driven, I, I think their entire career. That's also why th- there isn't much evolution. I think they have a very clear vision and, and these are sort of, uh, the, to, for, to my mind, they're, they're sort of floating up here somewhere and occasionally they come down and be like, Hey guys, what's up? And I check <laughs> in. Um, I, you know, I, I do need to give a little background on this. Like I, uh, First started listening to this band not on their first album, but is the Roaring Night, and the first time I heard it, it was an advance. It was sent to me, and it was uh, the night I had to put my cat Seuss down. Oh. oh man, this band is tied to me like no other. I, I think uh, that I know, and, and I sat there and listened to Besnard Lakes is the Roaring Night and weeped, and sent out all bad texts and Facebooks and stuff, and and so. Uh, you know, this stuff gets into me, and I was very excited uh, when they were like, oh, we're making a new album. I was like, yes, here we go. And, like, to my mind, at least, I, I think I got exactly what I wanted out of it. I mean, I more so than other albums, I think you can pick out, like, weaker tracks and stuff, but... I'm sort of the mind who gives a fuck. Uh, but Paul, what about you? Yeah, um, I, I got into them, and I don't have nearly the connection that you do here, Kevin. I don't yeah. think that uh, very many people would. But uh, I got into them back with Are the Dark Horse in 07. Oh. Um, yeah. I, I, my memory's failing me, but I feel like I saw them at Black Hat or something with uh, with Are the Dark Horse. Um, and the thing is, not, not a whole lot has changed, which is, yeah. I think... In some ways, a good thing. Yeah, you know is it what good you're, or bad? You know what you're getting out of a Besnard Lakes album, but at the same time, you know what you're getting out of a Besnard Lakes album. And I think we go back and forth in this podcast a little bit where sometimes people get too far out of their lane and we say, whoa, 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 you were doing fine. Stay in it. And then, so, yeah, and, then, yeah. and then sometimes people stay in their lane a little bit too long. Um I like this Blitz album. And Trapper? <laughs> I mean, no, no, it's all, the answer to every question is Blitz, Blitz and Trapper. Trapper. Um, <laughs> But I, I like this album, yeah. but there's nothing about it that makes me want to put it on more than another Besnard Lakes album. And something that, you know, it's I think it's just a, a part of who the band is right now. But they like the spacey, jammy parts mm-hmm. of Prague, but they don't get into the real thorny, intellectual, mathy parts of Prague. Right. And that's a conscious choice. But I think it also in some ways limits them because there's only so far you can go when you're just being atmospheric and you're not pushing yourself a little bit Is more. there, Paul? Is there only so far you can go? <laughs> it's the limits of the atmosphere, Kevin. You can float in space. There, there, you are on the Space Rock podcast. I love I loved Space Rock, but think of it this way. It's like floating in space and then diverting every time you get close to a gravity well. Huh. <laughs> let's uh, let's divert to a gravity well right now. Uh, let's hear a track off this. This is uh, actually the, the latest single. We have a video out for now. This is uh, the Plain Moon.
right, the Plain Moon off of the Coliseum Complex Museum. Um, you know, that one gets a little more in outer space, a little more... Uh, I think that's one of the more cohesive songs in the album, probably. Uh, I I personally sort of dig uh, a couple songs down, Nightingale after that. Yeah. Uh, I That could have been on, like, one of Floyd's Latter-day albums. Yeah, Latter-day albums. Latter-day, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. After, so, I mean, I, so, I like some So it says the guy yeah. who cried at the Endless River. Well, no. <laughs> no I, I enjoyed the Endless River fine, but it's, it, it doesn't... It wasn't pushing the boundaries like before, yeah. and that's. I guess with Besner Lakes, I like them enough where I'm a little disappointed to not see them taking risks. Like, right. I think maybe I overestimate their fan base, mm-hmm. but I think that they've got enough people who will stick with them if they try to start pushing past their boundaries. But there's a real um, there's a real danger of just stasis here well well before we check out of this i i do want to talk about that like their fan base like what i to my mind i mean this is uh it's it's not adventurous music per se i don't think they ever have been it's just good i mean this this definitely hits a uh, pleasure center mm-hmm. uh, in my brain for me and it does for a lot of people uh so i actually was listening to this and you know they don't tour the u.s that much like they're i think they're in new york uh, maybe right now hmm. playing a show. Yes, they are because they're doing interviews or stuff. But they, you know, they don't leave Montreal. They they do a lot out west. So, uh, like, how in in the world of indie rock is this band not bigger than they are? Because you know, you I don't like shoegaze, but this is definitely a lot of shoegaze in it. Like all these elements to my ear are like they combine it. They have the Beach Boys fucking harmonies. I mean, they're they're stellar across all their albums. So what's what's keeping them back from just like festivals? I, I've seen uh, them at the. I, I was at that. I think that Dark Horse show. Yeah. Uh, I was also at the Roaring Night show at the at the backstage of the Black Cat, and it was fucking amazing. But why aren't people picking up on this? I heard. Um, I heard a little bit in their sound. A little. Uh hints of like the super furry animals a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so if I compare them to the super furry animals who are just a a blast and an obligation kind of at the same time to see live, um, I don't, I don't, um, I imagine these guys probably stretch their songs out a little bit. No, Um, no, they don't. They, okay. No, this is, this is it. So, okay. So, so I'm, I'm hearing the album really loud. Um, are they wearing cool masks or is there like a, a trippy out no, there screen behind them no, that doesn't see? So like if you go see the super furries, there's always a chance that something that the show is going to get. Well, actually, it's going to get really weird. It's if you see them enough, it's predictable. Yeah. Um, but there's a but there's a different there's a little bit of an edge to their sound that maybe breaks them out of that. Um, I, I hate to say built to spill again and because that's a band that I really like. But I don't think you see a lot of growth with Doug March and right. his crew either. They're happy to just hang out, fish, and smoke pot in Boise. Yeah, and the difference is that they've been around for, what, 25 years at this well, point? They, yeah. They've been around for 15. I mean... And and at 15 years, like, I, I think Built to Spill was, like... And, and I should say, I am not a fan of Built to Spill, which is confounding ooh, why I don't like this. They're so the only jam well, band that like indie this? rock people are allowed to like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably why. Um... Yeah, so I it, that is that is what's it, it confounds me. The more people aren't like fuck yeah, Besnard Lakes, this is what I want. Yeah, you know, I think it's that lack of edge though. Like, and it's it seems so non definite to say that, but it's not that there's not there's there's no hook to see them live because mm. you're getting what you get on the album. They're not dragging it out into big, long jams. They're not doing anything weird. And if you're putting on the album, I think a lot of people have the reaction of like, oh, okay, that was good. I don't, I've don't. i never heard anybody be like, I hate the Besnard Lakes. They just don't ex- inspire strong emotions either way from a lot of people. Right. And that's that's the thing. <laughs> but <laughs> well, but like that, the, the idea that you would have to have an edge to like get people – I mean, I know it's true, but the, that idea just – like breaks my brain that like people can't just like good shit. Just can't look at it like this is good. Let's. But uh, this album to me, and and again, I like it. It's fine. It's good. Mm. But it's uh, it's 
like an entire album of like the bridge song on a prog album, you know, yeah. like you're, you're between <laughs> acts. And so you're just putting it in there like, all right, let's jam for a minute, catch your breath. But you're catching your breath for 40 minutes. I also think part of part, I think people do like shit that's just good and competent. And mm. part of the reason that they like it is because so I'll take a band that I like a lot, but I think is largely unremarkable like Luna. Um, when I got really into Luna, I could see them shit like four times a year easily. Right. And so and so not only was it good music that I liked, but like I could go to the shows and it was sort of its own scene and you would see Dean Wareham about and, you know, there was there was something else to it. It was it yeah. was a working band that made really, really good, really competent stuff. And without ever kind of leaving the stratosphere or making it to that new planet they just discovered, um, they could they could really entertain you for a couple hours Planet and you would Bowie. gladly. What's that? Planet Bowie. <laughs> Planet that's, Bowie. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Paul, what's your first verdict of the year going to be? It is a uh, it's a very firm stream for me. All right. All right. That sounded terrible. The way I just said it, just terrible. <laughs> the year has started off to it. it. This is this is a bad start. Yeah, <laughs> I'm never coming well, back. Well, you missed the first two. <laughs> you missed the Bowie cast. I, I feel bad uh, about that. Yeah, too. I know. Yeah. You should. Um, Eduardo. Um, same. I'm going to actively stream this. Um, it's not like sometimes you say stream as a like, don't ignore it. Like this is like, a, like you should like everyone should go listen to this album. It's a really good album. Um, and so I will I will stream it frequently. All right. Uh, I am obviously going to buy it. Uh, I buy everything they do. I really want them to come to D.C. to play uh, because I think everybody should go see them because they're fucking amazing. I would love to see I them. I will see them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they are uh, – I didn't even think about this before I knew we were going to be talking about this. Uh, they probably are one of my favorite bands now. And not just because of Seuss, but for, for just – I dig them, man. Uh, Alright, that's our likes. There you go. So, uh, Besner Lakes uh, Coliseum Complex Museum, as we say at, after all these every time, you know, we enjoy you listening to us, but you don't have to. Go out and, like, listen to it yourself. Decide all this music. Uh, as we do it at the end of every podcast, we play a, a track from a lesser known or maybe a bigger known. I don't know. Like, just an artist that maybe you haven't heard, or at least we want you to hear. Uh, this week, we're doing one from a guy you have heard on this podcast. In fact, you heard it on a couple of year-end lists. Uh, Khan, uh, and this is, oh man, this is a nice segue into the next podcast. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, Glenn Fry passed away uh, earlier this week, and uh, that was bad. We're going to be talking about that a little on the next podcast. And uh, Khan, who, who just releases... Sing, I, he, the rate at which he releases the shit is insane! Uh Released a track last night called The Eagles. So, so, can, can, so, I have not heard this. I cannot wait. So ready your brain. I'm just going to shut up and we're going to play it. So here you go. This is uh, Khan, The Eagles. Now. Uh, came with a couple of questions. I am suggesting the obvious. Make you ingest my vernacular. Master of all my abilities, acrobatic back and forth from like an addict, Mr. Go and get it, get the gab, I got it. I'm combative, been in battles, one of my own flow, ridiculous sentences running out. Now they got the pose, no one fucking with me, that's okay, cause I like my seclusion. They soon to succumb to the sound we created, I cater to no one but me and mine. Ain't no fucking handouts that was ever given, this is repetition at its finest, baby. I don't give a damn if anybody like it, boy, I said it, I do this for me. Let's make it clear, I'm a demonstrative lyricist, literally in the infancy stages. I stated my purpose before, but they force on my hand with this ignorance. I'm in the sin in the sense that I'm coming with pure intentions, I'm tempted to just take the scenery. 
around. Gotta figure out how we gon' make it happen. Time is not on my side in the midst of madness. I've been so lost on the road to travel. Giving everything I wanna let my pain unravel. I'm a sick in the right room like a poet, I guess. None less than never that was legendary. I took a plan and I mapped it out. In terms of energy, I feel like I'm maxing out. How many times can you fail for you just submit? No one is convinced I'm in, but I wanna get out and my doubt is just consumed. I've been thinking what the hell I got to lose. A little bit of my pride, I threw away food for thought. I'm getting rid of my ego as a way to progress. I wanna humble myself, become meek and thankful. Just appreciate the talent that I was given. I wanna maximize it to attain a lot. I send all praise to the most high, Lord. But yeah, you pass it up and then move on My shit looked over like it's not a threat It takes a lot of time, I wanna get you convinced But when I hit you with the shit, I miss a penny and switch I better get the recognition that I really deserve It's not a superb, the one that they really defer And I patiently propose, I proceed But don't patronize me and at least unleash my words of wisdom When the verse is finished, they forever change with my tone and temperament I channel my wrath from my Old Testament I lost it all like King Solomon But I be getting it back, I tell a vigorous hell A visionary with a yeah, but nobody believes I'm trying to keep it all together with a mic I see My mic checks sound nice, one, two, I got it Been by the front of the beginning, I swear that I is I give a simple example, the way the music is headed I make a minute I'm walking my territory, I'ma tell it like it is But from my perspective, I can't fabricate I'ma put my truth on the page I could care less if it's accepted You done seen my growth from inception Search for perfection, I pray that we pop it The problem for me is I just want my happiness Hope that it happens through heaven But I can't imagine that I'ma do this shit forever So you, you can wrap your brain around <laughs> everything that's just said there. Um, it, this kid continues to impress, and uh, uh, yeah, fuck it. I mean, he's a badass. Eduardo, this is the first time you heard it. What do you, what do you think? I, I wish I could speak in emojis because um, <laughs> that's just that's just like a string of the fire emoji, a couple of you know underline one hundreds. I mean, that's just he's. That that album is, and, and this song builds on a lot of the same themes of mm. that are really dark and really you know complicated issues to deal with, um, and uh, especially at that pace. So it's you know my mind is perpetually blown by him. Nice. Uh, that is about our podcast for this week. Like I said, we'll have a bunch of links in the show notes for everything we talked about. Uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. I recommend that. You can uh, rate us, give us a star, or write about it. I told you last week what would happen if you wrote a lot of <laughs> 20,000 words right? I, I said 200,000 oh wow I'm editing <laughs> yeah. um, um, so we, we're going to talk to you in a few short days and uh, until then uh, be good to yours be better to your people we'll talk to you in a few
<laughs> <laughs> Kenobi.